Man, I had a nice, relaxing Sacramento Kings versus Portland Trailblazers season preview for you featuring Locked On Blazers host Mike Richmond. I was very much looking forward to that conversation. You'll still hear that conversation, but all my plans have been run over like a Mack truck because of Marvin Bagley's agent releasing a ridiculous statement about the Sacramento Kings and Marvin not being a part of their rotation. It's the perfect end to this Marvin Bagley saga. The Kings and Bagley are are all but over. It feels like a nasty high school breakup. And in the end, Luke Walton and the Kings are making the absolute correct basketball decision. We'll talk about it. Plus, like I said, a Kings Blazers preview on today's Locked On Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Media member, Sacramento Kings Media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the Kings, formerly with Sports Talk Radio in Sacramento, now with ABC 10 Television. And boy, oh boy, has my personal journey with Marvin Bagley in Sacramento been an up and down rocky ride. I know many of you feel the exact same way with uh, with how you've supported or been frustrated with Marvin Bagley over these years, whether it's the comparison to Luka Doncic and the rest of that 2018 draft class, all the off the court drama, Marvin Bagley's injury issues, uh, the hope that we had with Marvin's first ever bucket as a Sacramento Kings, which was that dunk in the California classic that absolutely erupted the golden one center. We've come a long dark way from that moment. Haven't we? And what we got today, this statement from the uh, agent of Marvin Bagley is the perfect way to cap off uh, this this entire Marvin Bagley saga. In my opinion, and you're going to hear this uh, statement in just a second, I'm going to read this for you, but to me, it's perfectly clear. And I talked about this on yesterday's Locked On Kings podcast that it felt like uh, the writing was on the wall. It was inevi- uh, inevitable that the Kings and Bagley were going in separate directions and uh, that he would not be part of the Kings for much longer, certainly not beyond this season. Well, now we've gotten this from Jeff Schwartz, the uh, agent firm one Marvin Bagley. Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley he is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future and yet passed on potential deals as last year's deadline or rather at last year's deadline and this summer based on value. Instead, they chose to bring him back, but not play him, a move completely contradictory to their value argument. This is a case study in mismanagement by the Kings organization. If you're not used to hearing agents speak so publicly about their player's role and spot in the rotation, it's because it doesn't usually happen, because this looks totally pathetic. It's sad that we're getting a statement like this from Marvin Bagley's agent, from Marvin Bagley's camp, but based off of 
Marvin's entire saga in Sacramento, but especially the last year of what happened, what's happened with Marvin Bagley, things that he's liked on social media, things that his father has said on social media, things that his managers and the people who support him have said on social media. This is not surprising one bit. Not surprising one bit. And truth be told, this does not hurt the Kings at all. This is the final desperate attempt by Marvin Bagley's organization or his group to make everything look like it's the King's fault and try and save face for Marvin Bagley. And it is going to 100% backfire. If you believe this, if you side with this and completely side with Marvin Bagley over the Sacramento Kings with everything that's going on, you're a moron. I'm sorry. And I hope I didn't insult you. People who don't understand the context of what has happened over the last four plus years with Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings, especially over the last year with Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings, who are completely on Bagley's side, who read a statement like this and go, oh, he has a point. Kind of like what Bomani Jones said. Now, I really, really like Bomani Jones. I think he's a fantastic uh, sports personality, a fantastic writer. Really like Bomani Jones. But I'm not going to believe for one solitary second that Bomani Jones has watched a single second of Sacramento Kings basketball. He hasn't. He has no idea what's going on with Marvin Bagley in Sacramento. All he knows is the Kings reputation based off of what they've done in the past 15 years. And that is what Marvin Bagley and his camp are trying to use here. That is what they're trying to use to make the Kings look crappy and to take all of the heat off of Marvin's shoulders. Now, to be fair, Marvin hasn't said anything. In fact, uh, you've had multiple journalists like Sean Cunningham, James Ham, and I can I can uh, agree with this. Marvin, since reporting the training camp and since this season has really started, he's been doing the right things. He's been working hard in, in, in practice. He said the right things when speaking to the media, saying that he's going to do whatever the team needs him to do. He's, he's, he's ready to be here, ready to compete. But it doesn't surprise me at all that it's his camp, once again, speaking for him, and because Marvin refuses and has refused to step out publicly and say, this is what I think, that's what they think, I'm separate from that, then all we can do is assume that they are speaking for Marvin Bagley, they continue to speak for Marvin Bagley, and therefore, Marvin Bagley feels this way. You know, I would expect Marvin to be pissed off to not be a part of the rotation. I absolutely would expect that. In fact, I would be upset at Marvin if he wasn't pissed off. He needs to be pissed off that he's not a part of this Kings rotation. But if he's his reaction to this is to go to his agent to release a public statement like this, it's completely the wrong way to do things. Marvin already was going to miss out on a boatload of money compared to what he could have made had he just bought in with the Sacramento Kings. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, the contract he just got with the Memphis Grizzlies is a perfect uh, indication of that. Jaron Jackson Jr. just got $100 plus million and he's played eight more games in his career than Marvin Bagley has. Of course, they were both part of that 2018 draft class. But the difference is Jaron Jackson Jr. is bought into what the Memphis Grizzlies are trying to do and they believe in him. And even though he has been hurt, they know that the best chance for them to be successful, the best version of themselves is a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. part of their team going forward. So they have invested in him. Why would the Sacramento Kings invest in a player in Marvin Bagley who still does have all that potential, who would be 
healthy part of this Kings team would make them the best version of themselves. Why would they invest in him when all they've heard out of his camp is blaming and complaining uh, and pointing fingers, not taking ownership? Why would they do that? They wouldn't. They wouldn't at all. And in the end, this is going to cost Marvin Bagley more money than already the little bit that he was going to get. Because the Kings are not going to offer him his qualifying offer, which by the way, if Marvin doesn't start, or if he starts in less than 41 games or something like that, his qualifying offer drops down from 14 million to like 7 million. But the Kings aren't going to offer Marvin Bagley qualifying offer anyway. There's no way. They're done. It's over. The Kings are moving in a different direction. And truth be told, this is happening. The Kings are like, all right, like it's probably embarrassing for them. It's probably annoying for Luke Walton, for Monty McNair, for this Kings locker room to have to deal with. But they're already moving in a different direction. They're already moving on. This doesn't have the same impact that it had a year ago. This doesn't have the same impact that it would have had two, three years ago. This Kings team has moved on on the floor and now they're moving on off of it. It's pathetic. It's really, really sad. It looks absolutely childish from Marvin's entire camp. It's only going to backfire and hurt them more than it's going to hurt anybody else. And in the end, this is the right decision. Let's take all of the drama, all of the context off the floor, take all of that and put it aside for a second. Let's just talk about basketball. The Sacramento Kings have made it very clear. Their goal this season is to make the playoffs, right? In order to make the playoffs, they have to put the best version of themselves out there on a nightly basis. That is the only chance that they're not good enough to flow out players who could be good for a certain amount of minutes and still win games. They have to have their best version of themselves on a nightly basis. Marvin Bagley is not part of that best version of themselves. In addition to that, Luke Walton and this Kings team, they're significantly deeper than they were at the start of last season. Significantly deeper. And they're already dealing with a handful of guys who arguably deserve a spot in this rotation, but there's not enough minutes to go around. From a basketball standpoint, Marvin Bagley started the first preseason game. He got hurt, sat out games two and three, and then was active apparently in game four, and the Kings decided not to have him as part of their rotation. Why? Because Luke Walton at that point had decided that he's going forward with players that he can trust. Even though Tristan Thompson hasn't played a game for Luke Walton, they've been teammates in Cleveland in the past, but he's never played a game for Luke Walton. Luke can trust in Tristan Thompson way more than he can trust in Marvin Bagley. Luke can trust in Alex Len way more than he can trust in Marvin Bagley. Luke can trust Chemezi Metu. Hell, Luke might be able to trust Damian Jones more than he trusts Marvin Bagley. And that's the point here. Why in the world after spending your entire preseason, training camp, and the games focusing on camaraderie, trying to figure out which units work together, playing De'Aaron Fox significant minutes every single game, playing uh, Davion Mitchell significant minutes every game, playing Tyrese Halliburton significant minutes except for the one game that he sat out. Why would you waste all that time trying to get a cohesive unit together, see what you have, only to throw in a guy who only played in one game out of the four, especially when the Kings went 4-0 in preseason. The best version of the Sacramento Kings as a basketball team does not feature Marvin Bagley in their rotation right now. Now, I firmly believe that if Luke Walton is asked about this, and he will be asked about this, he's going to give us the answer 
which is, I guess, the correct coach answer, which is Marvin's still part of this roster, and we only care about what's said in the locker room, not what's said outside, and Marvin has to stay ready because at some point his number is going to be called. If this statement hadn't come out and we found out that Marvin wasn't a part of the rotation, I think we all would believe that that was a big deal, but that an opportunity would come up for Marvin at some point, and he could come in off the bench and really make the most of that. He could earn his way back into this rotation. All he had to do is stay healthy and play his way back in. I think we all believe that's possible. But instead, here we are. Here we are in this position of the Kings recognizing the writing on the wall, reading the writing on the wall, moving forward, putting their best foot forward. And because Marvin is not part of that, he's pouting, his camp is pouting, and they're going to release a public statement thinking that the general public is going to believe them and ignore all the context of the last four seasons. It's sad, but in a way, truthfully, it's a relief. It's a relief that we know going forward, Marvin is not a part of this rotation. So it's done. It's done. Now, Marvin's still a member of the Sacramento Kings right now. I just debated with D'Lo and KC, and I know a lot of people are saying on social media, just send the guy home or cut him. Don't even have him around your team right now. And remember, Marvin, when he got hurt last season, he went home and spent time with his family in Arizona. He was away from the team. So it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if that happens again, if the Kings send him away, which would actually be even more of a detriment to him because I think there are valuable lessons that he can learn and, and valuable um, growth that he could experience just working with guys like Rico Hines and Doug Christie in practice every single day, even if he's not a part of the Kings rotation, even if he doesn't actually get on the floor and play for the Kings. But if he's still here, okay, Kings don't care. doesn't bother them. They're about winning right now. Their identity is changing. Take a mental screenshot in your mind of who Marvin Bagley has been as a Kings player, the athleticism, the positives and the negatives, the softness, the no identity or no idea really what to do on defense, the tunnel vision on offense, but that incredible second jump, his ability to get up and down the floor, his ability to put up numbers without even really trying. Take all of that into a mental screenshot and compare that to the video I talked about on yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast, the video of Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox going absolutely one-on-one to war in practice. Tristan Thompson getting a block shot, walking up the floor and barking at everybody, establishing that new identity that this softness is not going to exist with this Kings team anymore. That's where the Kings are headed. That's what the Kings are trying to be. And Marvin does not fit in that at all. Okay, wipe your hands clean. Goodbye. So what? This entire situation is, is sad, but in a way it's a poetic ending to this entire Marvin Bagley saga in Sacramento. Now I want to hear your thoughts on this situation because I'm completely tapped out. I'm exhausted by this, but I can't wait for Kings basketball tomorrow because we can put this all behind us and look at this new version of the Sacramento Kings who I think could be good enough to finally end this playoff drought. But what do you think? Let me know at Matt George Sack on Twitter. You can email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the comment section down below. Coming up next, my conversation with Mike Richmond, host of the Longtime Blazers podcast. We have a Kings and Portland Trail Blazers uh, season opener preview for you. What do the Kings have to do to start the season 1-0 and beat Dame and CJ in Portland? It all has to do with defense and that new identity they're trying to establish. 
Before that, though, I want to let you know that today's Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Don't let the stress of a story like this Marvin Bagley story weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deep, deepest muscle tension using a, using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. This is something that I use on a daily basis, especially for my shoulders uh, sitting at a computer all day. My wife wouldn't have gotten through the nine months of pregnancy without this thing, especially for her feet. It works all over your body and it actually creates positive results. That's why it's been trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Shapova, a hundred of thousands of customers and myself not an elite athlete but a podcast host we need it sometimes try theragun for 30 days starting at only 199 dollars go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your gen 4 theragun today that's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on the NBA regular season is finally here and it tips off Wednesday night. The Sacramento Kings in Portland to visit a Trailblazers team that I'll be honest with you, I don't know as much about as I would expect to with a team that still features a guy like Damian Lillard and his uh, cohort, CJ McCollum. So here to give us a better idea of what's going on with the Trailblazers Plus to preview this Kings and Blazers matchup, it's my friend Mike Richmond from the Locked On Blazers podcast. Mike, a season is here, my friend. It's about dang time. I've been telling everyone that will listen, it's here, it's here. And now it finally is. I've been saying it for three weeks and now it's finally true. I'm so excited. So the schedule comes out and the Portland Trailblazers and their fans look at the schedule and they see opening night at home, Sacramento Kings. What is the reaction to that? Tight. Uh, you know, of, of the teams in the West, I think the Kings are perceived to be a team that's probably on the outside of the playoff hunt or a play in type team. And of the other groupings you could get in the West, there's some real brutal ones. Um, you know, maybe you want to, the Clip, the Blazers play the Clippers early in the season a couple times. I know the Kings do too. They're going to get those Kawhi-less, uh, those Kawhi-less minutes. So, um, you know, there's some other there's some other maybe injured teams you'd want, but I think the perception of the Kings from outside of Sacramento and maybe some sad sacks inside of Sacramento is that they're just they're still not quite there. Um, but I think the Kings are better. Like, is that your perception as well? Yeah, the Kings are absolutely a better team, at least in my opinion. Um, they've they've improved at least with personnel to be better defensively. It's hard not it's hard to be worse than what they were last season. So this team is expected to be better. However, the expectation that they're better defensively falls heavily on the shoulders of only a couple of players including one who's a rookie who hasn't played a single minute yet. And he's going to be tested right out of the gate, getting some minutes guarding uh, um, Dame and CJ. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Davion Mitchell, which I was going to save that for later, but might as well uh, just get into it right now. The idea that the Sacramento Kings, their maybe best defender that they're going to be throwing at the Portland Stars being a rookie, I imagine that doesn't scare the Portland Trailblazers as much as maybe it hypes up the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like at this stage that Damian Lord is worried about an individual defender, to be honest. Like maybe that's, um, you know, he, it's not like he's perfect, but like he's a, 
he's a good enough offensive player that he'll he will look past that first line defense. Davion Mitchell's incredibly fun. Like I want him to guard Dame 25 minutes um in in the first game of the season. I'm I'm absolutely rooting for it. Like let's let's throw this guy into the fire. He has been a delight to watch in preseason. Um you know, he smoked the Blazers in the in their one meeting when they didn't really play any guys. So I, I don't think in general they're super worried um about that specific matchup, but um I I'm intrigued. Mike, fair or not fair, the Portland Trail Blazers got worse team-wise from last season to this season over the offseason. Is that fair or unfair? Because that's what I see as most of the national perspective with the Blazers, but sometimes that can be off base. Yeah, I think it's unfair. I think they got a little rockier. <laughs> I think I think they their like long term future is more in doubt. But most of the national coverage is like the Blazers are going to be bad because Damian Lillard's going to get traded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to matter in Game One. <laughs> like that's a, that's a, going to be a problem in January. Like I I think the Blazers are better. Quite frankly, um, their starting group that was uh, when they traded for Norman Powell, the trade deadline after they acquired him, they were the number one offense in the league after acquiring Norman Powell, that starting group is small and a little bit weird, but um, the Kings also small and a little bit weird sometimes. So uh, Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, very, very good together, even a slightly above average defense um, compared to other like high usage lineups. Uh, I think Larry Nance Jr. In addition, uh, the trade uh, player they traded for this offseason is going to upgrade the team. I think Cody Zeller is an upgrade over Ennis Cantor, albeit very, very different players. And that's seven good players, which um, is probably better than they were last year. The bar is low, Matt, but I think mm-hmm. they're jumping over it. So you just said the national perspective is Dame is getting traded. Is that the local perspective as well? Or is there a little more optimism or belief that Dame will last the season in Portland and they'll be able to figure things out there? Well, I'll I'll probably go with you about halfway. I think he will last the season in Portland. Okay. I do not think they will figure things out. I think this is a a first round playoff type team. I think they're pretty similar to what they've been. Um, and he wanted them to be jumping to contender status. And as much as I like Larry Nance Jr. And Cody Zeller, that's not, that's not, that's not what that is. Like that's, that's not what that is. That that's like, those are good, good marginal upgrades. So I expect Dame, I don't expect him to be the kind of guy who asks out mid season. It's not his brand. It's just not who he is. He's, he's loyal to the soil, probably loyal to a fault. Um, but I expect come July when the Blazers again are ousted early in the playoffs that we get right back to a similar summer that we just had here in Portland where the star player is considering an exit. I know we're looking more towards the future and not really talking about this first game because like you said, game one, none of this really matters. If anything, Dame's going to probably want to come out and prove a point. I know Chauncey Billups is going to want to get his first win. Maybe CJ McCollum and the rest of that team has heard the chatter and they're trying to prove a point too. But I'll ask, I guess, one more full season or just national um, Trailblazers question. And that has to do with the likelihood of Dame being traded this season versus the Blazers maybe trading CJ McCollum or other major pieces for an all-in, let's try and win right now and hopefully please Damian Lillard in the process type move. Is that more likely, you think, than Dame being moved? Well, I listened to Locked on Kings and I heard that the Ben Simmons to Sacramento train is dead. I heard it is no longer arriving in uh, in, in Northern California. Um, 
you know, I guess it depends on on how low the offer goes for mm-hmm. sort of that specific thing. Um, I think a big trade in general is relatively unlikely. I think a minor trade here and there, maybe, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, it's, their starting center is entering free agency this summer. So maybe they trade him and decide not to pay him. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Anthony Simons, uh, backup guard for the Blazers. And um, you know, I think if they could trade CJ for a good player, they would have already done it. Mm. I don't think they want to trade CJ McCollum for, with all due respect, the like Harrison Barnes package. You know, they mm-hmm. they want um, they want a guy who's a borderline all star, not a borderline very solid dude. Locked on Kings is brought to you by BenOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever with the NBA season tipping off, the NFL season going on right now. BenOnline is your number one spot for all of your sports gambling fun. BenOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile device website uh, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball to football, baseball, postseason nhl boxing ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports future bets prop bets game bets game lines make it your source for kings betting all season long make some money off of your sacramento kings knowledge at bet online where the game starts Locked on Kings is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure pointless or intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter at your local store orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands that their warehouse carries at their set price points? You have computers with access to rockauto.com, which is your number one spot to buy all the auto parts that you need. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. You don't have to. Rock Auto is a family business serving serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, uh, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Before we get to game one, I did want to ask too, because I've had conversations with different lockdown hosts, different Sacramento-based hosts and and, and uh, journalists, and we were talking about, okay, if the Kings are going to make the playoffs, the route is more than likely through the play-in, but if they're going to be one of actually eight teams to play a legitimate playoff series, that means some team has to fall out at least, plus I know Memphis Grizzlies and other teams are going to be knocking on the door. Well, the Memphis made it last season, so that doesn't necessarily make sense, but the Portland Trailblazers were one of the teams that were brought up as, hey, this is a team that potentially could fall out. Nobody really knows what that team is going to look like at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season. Wishful thinking, you think? You said you think this team is a, a first-round exit team. I actually kind of view them uh, in the same way. Do you see them as a potential play-in team or a top six seed out of that play-in, maybe in danger of falling out completely? Where do you think? I think they're right on that cusp. Um, there's a bunch of good teams in that range, like uh, the Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets, the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, the Golden State Warriors before everybody gets back, or maybe even after everybody gets back, depending on what Clay Thompson looks like. And the Blazers are probably all in that range. I think uh, the Lakers, Phoenix, and Utah are probably a tier above them. So that's eight teams right there. 
if anyone else comes to the party, then you're talking nine. Um, you know, if, if Memphis is involved in that, if Sacramento was involved in that, if the Wolves take a step forward, it gets, it gets really messy. But one of those, you know, two of those teams are going to be in the play. And so, yeah, I think the Blazers have a, have a very, it's very real that they could be, this is the eighth best team in the West. All right, enough about the future. Let's take it one step at a time, one game at a time. This this first game, the, the Kings got off to a great start last season, surprised the Nuggets in Denver in game one to go 1-0. They beat them uh, in overtime. And and Tristan Thompson has preached uh, in, in his media scrums that since this Kings team is young, they want to try and jump on teams early on and take advantage of some teams that maybe are slow to start, don't kick things into gear until December or even January. Uh, I think he was more talking about teams like the Lakers and, and the the Nets in that case, not necessarily the Portland right. Trail Blazers, but historically the Blazers led by Damian Lillard. Are they a team that sometimes is slow out of the gates to get things going or are they a team that hits the ground running? They have traditionally over the last six seasons been a slow starting team. Uh, they did have an incredible stretch of winning 21 consecutive home openers. Um, wow. So uh, just a bonkers, bonkers, several decades stretch of winning their first home game, uh, which was totally meaningless because, um, <laughs> you know, they're like a low level playoff team somewhere in there after that. But the streak was alive. It was a lot of fun. You could go see a win on opening night. Um, yeah, they've been they've been pretty bad. And um they've been slow to start and they've, they haven't looked good in preseason. Um, they haven't played their guys very much, but, um, the gentlemen who have been involved have looked, uh, not, not good. Yeah, so I think, I think it's gonna be some growing pains for sure. The Kings beat the Blazers in preseason. CJ Dame didn't play. Obviously, it means nothing except the Kings feeling themselves a little bit because they had a 4-0 preseason. Not the first time during this playoff list streak that the Kings have gone undefeated in preseason, by the way. So in the end, it means nothing. Although watching these preseason games, the Kings saw flashes of what they want to be, which is better defensively. The Kings have faith that they're going to be able to score against anybody. It's just, can they stop somebody? And what this team has this year that they didn't have at the start of last season, they didn't have really till after the trade that deadline last season, is depth, but there's also how much trust does anybody have in, in head coach Luke Walton? I have more trust in Luke than than most people do in managing those rotations and getting those rotations right. So based off your understanding, maybe from what you saw uh, in that Kings Blazers preseason game, I don't know how much you follow the Kings during preseason or uh, during uh, summer league and how aware you are of their roster, but what are your interpretations or your, your impression, I guess, uh, of this uh, this Kings roster coming into this first game? Well, I want them to play four guards. Okay, I want them to. I want them to just do it. I want them to play the play the four guards. Lean into what you are, which is weird and small and fast. Uh, It doesn't matter who plays in the middle. There, it could be TT. It could be Alex Len. Like, just put any tall dude in the middle, and let's see Mitchell healed. uh, Ty Halliburton and and De'Aaron Fox just get out and fly around. Um, They were these are the two worst defenses in the league last year. The Blazers were 29th and the Kings were 30th. Um, the way the league works, these are also the two worst defenses in the history of the sport because people are shooting more threes and we're more into efficiency than we've ever been in the past. Mm. You think the Blazers are going to be going to stop anyone? Just go small and do be crazy. Like let's have some fun. Even put Harrison Barnes at center. Let's get wild. Um, I'm, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see them be, be odd. Uh, my, my perception is that the Kings are better though, in general. Um, I, I don't think, you know, they kind of waited around and made some moves around the margins. It was kind of the theme of the summer for nearly every team in the league was that um, only that one team in Staples Center made a giant move and everyone else in the West made little incremental moves. Um, so, yeah, I think they're 
I think in general, my perception is that they're a little bit better, but um, my excitement is that I want to, I want them to be funky, Matt, because I've, the Kings have been bad for a long time and they are my classic West coast um, league pass team. You know, like I, the Lakers are going to be on national TV, so I'm not watching them. It's, 7:30 at night and there's uh there's like a Kings game on. I'm definitely tuning in. The broadcast is phenomenal. Um I'm going to miss Doug Christie for sure, but uh like let's get weird, Sacramento. And they very well might. I don't know if we'll get a four guard lineup super early. We saw that only once at the end of uh, of of preseason, but a three guard lineup very likely and we're especially intrigued to see how the combination of Fox, Halliburton and Mitchell uh play together if at all. Many of us expect myself included that those three plus maybe a Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, that's the closing lineup. Maybe not the starting right. lineup, but the closing lineup assuming uh the game is close. And it sounds like based off of how last season went, if this game is high scoring, which there's a very good chance it is, we're talking like a 120 to 115 game. It sounds like that plays into the hands of the Blazers if the Kings just try and beat them in a good old-fashioned shootout, even though this Kings team does have dynamic offensive weapons. If they do show any semblance of the improved defense that we saw during preseason, in all four preseason games, uh, the Kings held their opponents to under 30 points in three out of four quarters. Again, that's limited minutes for starters. In the the case of the Trailblazers game, the two best players did not play in that game, and they account for a boatload of that Blazers scoring. So I expect things to be a little bit different in this game. But if the Kings can have any semblance of defense, I have the feeling that they have a good opportunity to win this game. But if it's a shootout which we've seen these teams do in the past i don't know how i like the king's chances who is the like the way this this is going to work because i th- I feel like the king's real issue is that is that they're incredibly good when they play fast but um in half court they can be a little dicey has De'Aaron fox taken taken enough steps forward as a pull-up shooter to kind of grease the wheels as uh, in the half court do you think or where do they sort of go for that I, you know, that's very, a very interesting question. I think honestly with half court sets, we might see the ball in the hands more of like a Tyrese Halliburton or a day beyond Mitchell. That's where the the Kings are really interested in the possibility of a secondary ball handler to take some of that load off of De'Aaron Fox in transition. They'd love to get the ball in Fox's hands just because if you blink, he'll be on the other side of the floor, but in half court sets, arguably Tyrese Halliburton is already a better facilitator than De'Aaron Fox and he makes his teammates better. Uh, No disrespect to De'Aaron because I I love De'Aaron. He's still the best player on this Kings team without a doubt, but you saw immediately the difference in De'Aaron running a pick and roll with a big and Tyrese Halliburton running a pick and roll with a big last season. And now that Tyrese is in the starting lineup and those two are going to share the court a lot. In fact, there shouldn't be a point at any point in this game that at least one of them isn't on the floor. To me, that would just be asinine, but Hey, who knows what Luke Walton's rotations are going to be. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, I almost expect a lot of the half-court sets to be run through Tyrese Halliburton, and they run De'Aaron off of um, off-ball screens. But in terms of his three-point shot, he's continued to work on it. He looks more and more comfortable with it. Um, and the confidence is there. That doesn't necessarily mean the percentage is going to be, but the confidence to take that shot is there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fox puts up four or five. I think his main goal, though, is going to be what he did last year, which is trying to get to the foul line as much as possible, except this season he's looking to get above uh, the the 70% that he's been shooting from the free throw line for his career. That, to me, is the next major step for De'Aaron, and hopefully with the offensive workload off of his shoulders a little bit, he can be more effective on the defensive end. Cause we've seen Fox be effective and an effective on ball defender in flashes, especially when there's like two minutes left in a close game. But if you can get that for half a game out of De'Aaron Fox, just to start, I think that has a major effect on the Kings piss poor defense. Um, well, 
I, I want to ask you about this. I'm, I'm hijacking this a little bit, but um, I, uh, I, I've, I've listened to your show that De'Aaron Fox is going to be an all-star. Um, I, 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 so I've heard the, I've heard the King's optimism from you. So I want to mm-hmm. ask here, I don't think, I do not think De'Aaron Fox is an all-star if this team isn't a good basketball team. Agreed. I also hear the intro to your show. You cover preseason, regular season, and off season. There is a season missing there, Matt. Is this the year? Is this the year that the Kings get there? Is this a playoff team? And if they are, who isn't? The best question way to answer that question is they ban they damn well better be, Mike. They they just they have to be. I mean, that's what they've they've set the bar for themselves is this is really playoffs or bust, which is a weird position to be in. I would expect that position for a team maybe like Memphis, who's already been there. I would expect right. that for a team like Portland, who's been there. The Kings haven't been there yet. So it's not like they're in fear of falling out, but the way this team is structured with the, the the contracts on this team. Now, De'Aaron Fox just signed a Supermax. This is his first year of his Supermax contract. And obviously the Kings are operating, are going to eventually operate under the fear that if they don't turn things around quickly, he's going to get pissed and want out. And then here the Kings are again without a star trying to figure it out. And the cycle starts all over again for the 18th time. Um, so there, there's that concern. Uh, but... I mean, we're talking about Luke Walton potentially losing his job. He hasn't signed an extension yet. The, the Kings just committed to him for another year. Next year, he's a lame duck head coach. So it's a lot easier to move on from a coach with one year left than two years left. So Luke Walton's coaching for his job. Uh, I mean, I hope that a new general manager in Monty McNair isn't under that much heat and could potentially lose his job just after two seasons or one and a half seasons based off of what last season was. And I know ownership is under a lot of heat right now. So long way of telling you the Kings have to make the playoffs this year or I believe it's going to be a bloodbath and heads will roll. I believe they do have the personnel to do it but if you're asking me to put money on it, I can't do that. Just like most people can't. I mean, and I my podcast yesterday was literally titled like no one believes in the Sacramento Kings and the reason why is because the Kings have to prove something to people before anybody will trust them. Because we've seen this team get off to good starts and then have a nine game losing streak. They had two nine game losing streaks last season for God's sake. Yeah. One uh, case of mono can really set back a franchise for a long time. Matt. Ugh, oh, the DeMarcus cousins. Uh, oh, uh, just everything. Just, just painful. Even thinking about that and, and that causing Mike Malone to lose his job. So yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've seen it all during this entire drought. So this Kings team, I believe does have the personnel to make it. They're going to have to more than likely make it through the play in and, and hopefully get a seventh or eighth seed where they only have to win one game to get in. And hopefully they'll host a, 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 at least one play uh, play in home game so we can have that in Sacramento after 15 freaking years. Um, so that's the goal. If a team is going to fall out, I, it might be the Memphis Grizzlies just because the Kings and Grizzlies match up really, really well together. And I always like the Kings in those battles. So that would be a fun battle. I could see the Golden State Warriors falling out, assuming Clay's not Clay. I could see the Trailblazers falling out if they trade Dame. If Dame's there, I, I don't think they're falling. Um, and then I don't trust the Dallas Mavericks at all with their lack of depth, as good as Luka is. So I think, like honestly, like seed six or seven through 12 in the West, I think is going to be separated by four, five, six games. Uh, which is going to make things really muddy and really chaotic and hopefully really fun for the Kings to where all they have to do is get hot at the right time to sneak in. I think that's their hope. Yeah. I, I, there's just so many, the West is brutal. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it's just brutal. Like I, I, I would lean no, like I was joking at the beginning of, of, of the show, but like, it's, it's just brutal. Like it's you, 
um, you know, there was a year, I was, I believe it was 2013 when the, uh, when the Grizzlies won, uh, 50 games or with a seven seed, I don't think it's going to be like that. Cause I think there's more good teams in the East this year to kind of balance it out. But I do think this, this is a year that there are 12 good teams in the West. Hmm. Um, there are tiers for sure of those teams, but I think there's 12 good teams in the West. Um, and then some, some really bad ones who play yeah. in the Southwest division. So yeah, I, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it either. Um, although if I did, I'd go to betonline.ag. but, um, I like, yeah, I, I think the, I think the Kings are a little better. Are they doing anything different on defense? Like, are they going to look different on defense? Uh, I don't think they're going to reinvent the wheel by any means. They're just trying to be more aggressive. They have guys that work harder. They communicate a little better. It was not so much, um, I mean, it felt like a lack of effort, but some guys were giving effort that just didn't have the IQ. So now they're hoping to right. have the effort paired with the IQ, but you can see, still see there's some players, especially like when Marvin Bagley plays, no offense to Marvin, but you can see guys who are still on an island defensively who just look around like deers in the headlights versus guys that know where they're supposed to be and are communicating. So the Kings aren't trying to do anything drastically different. They're just trying to be more of a presence. If anything, with guys like Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, they're just trying to be more annoying. They're not going to be a good individual defensive team with the exception of some of those players they're going to be a team defensive team that is just i mean the the goal is just to it's not even like top half of the league even though that's what luke walton says he thinks this team can be i think that's very wishful thinking if you can get 20 and up i think this team with their offense is in a position to make the play in with that alone if they're a top 15 or top 10 team then we're actually talking about a top six seed and that feels like way too much wishful thinking at this point Sure. Yeah, I I think that's what the Blazers are on defense too. A terrible defensive team that if they're merely below average, then they're going to be really good. That's yeah. uh, so. It sounds like we're going to see a lot of points in game one. I I would expect to. So that that leads me to my final question for you, Mike, which is basically like since you know how this Blazers team operates, you also have a good idea what the Sacramento Kings are trying to do. What do the Kings have to do if you switch sides? If you were an advisor of Luke Walton and and you stab the Blazers in the back, how would you? tell the Kings to defeat like uh, the kryptonite of this Blazers team? How would you tell them uh, to defeat Portland in this game one? You know, typically it's been um, get Yusuf Nurkic off the floor. The Blazers are good, are an above average team defensively when he plays and horrific when he's off. You, you think Cody Zeller will offset that a little bit and he broke his nose in preseason, but he's supposed to be back for game one, should be back in a mask. It'll be two masked men on the Blazers roster. So <laughs> some of it is get Nurk in foul trouble. Um, you know, he can... He, you know, be aggressive when he sets screens because he's a he can get a lot of offensive fouls that way. Rotate early when he when he rolls to the rim because he'll he kind of uh, will just roll pe- roll people over, run people down because he's a big person and sometimes um, uses that weight poorly. Um, it's you know you, you can't really play Damon CJ off the floor. You can mm-hmm. send traps to him, but that's only there's only so much you can do there. So. It's it's really try to get Nurk off the floor and force turnovers. Uh, but the Blazers have been a little bit wild with the ball in, in preseason. And in, on on offense, you don't have to chuck up threes, but if you get into the paint, get into the teeth, they're they have been a really bad help defense. Like if you if you force them into a second, third, and fourth rotation on defense, you are going to you are going to get open looks, be them at the rim or from the arc. So get into the teeth, which is uh, what De'Aaron Fox does as bad as well as anyone in the league. So um, I, you know, do some of it is just like play to your strengths. If you get Nurk off the floor and you let De'Aaron Fox play play at speed, let him get downhill, let Ty get downhill, like you have a real shot to beat this team because um, they look, they've, it's been a bumpy road to get here, Matt. 
Yeah. Well, there's a lot of optimism in Sacramento heading into this game that the Kings can start the season one and oh again, but we know the Kings are underdogs heading into Portland. We know the expectations for this Blazers team and the star power on this Blazers team. All I know is if this game is close and it goes into Dame time in the fourth quarter, typically that doesn't work out too well for the Sacramento Kings. So maybe they'll be able to put things away before uh, Dame can uh, can uh, tee up that that watch of his. So, Mike, I look forward to this game, man. I look forward to the season starting. We'll have a few meetings between these two teams. I hope we get the opportunity to chat again. Uh, and, hey, maybe we're having a play-in or playoff eventually uh, series between these two teams, which would be a whole lot of fun as well. I appreciate your insight, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. Huge thank you to Mike for joining me here. I'm so excited for Kings and Blazers tomorrow night. Should be a fun game. And yes, this Marvin Bagley saga, I'm sure, will continue, even though this feels like the resolution we've been waiting for for a while. It's not completely done, uh, but like I said earlier, this just feels like a bad, stupid high school relationship where uh, the uh, the Marvin Bagley and his camp, his agent, have decided that they need to get the last word in and, and they're going to go home and, and wipe the, the mascara stains off of their face and eat out of a tub of ice cream. That's just how it feels like uh, this entire saga was meant to end, truth be told. So again, if you have thoughts on this Marvin Bagley situation, how are you feeling going into this Kings and Blazers matchup, let me know at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Uh, email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the comment section down below. I would love to engage in conversation with you there. If you could leave a review for this Long Time Kings podcast, please uh, do so. Apple Podcasts or iTunes, the best place to do that. Hit five stars, leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast, any constructive criticism that you have. Great place for that as well. Uh, why we'd encourage other listeners, Locked On or Sacramento Kings fans or uh, just general NBA fans uh, to listen. Please do that. Really helps out uh, the podcast network, really helps out Locked On Kings, helps me out. I really would appreciate that. And then um, let me know your thoughts on your, your predictions, I guess, for how this King season is going to go. What do you think the record is going to be for the Kings? I saw the most recent prediction by somebody. I can't remember who it was. Uh, was like 33 wins for the Kings. I'm confident in saying the Kings are going to win more than 33 games this season with or without Marvin Bagley. Um, in fact, if Marvin Bagley was playing, they might lose more than if he's not playing, truth be told, which is why he's not a part of the rotation going forward. It's It's chaotic. It's fun. And of course, this had to happen right before Kings basketball begins, but hey, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we can actually just get to basketball and the Kings can finally move on from this dark cloud that has loomed over the organization for the last four years. I appreciate you listening. I, I can't wait to read your responses and uh, get involved with off-the-air uh, conversations with you, so please reach out to me, and I can't wait for you to join me on tomorrow's Lockdown Kings podcast. I will have a recap of the Kings and Blazers, a post-game edition of Lockdown Kings coming out tomorrow night, so I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Lockdown Kings, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. <laughs>